0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. This is your host, Libertarian Tony. So, today, I guess we can continue to talk about the whole impeachment process and what's going on with that. I mean, it's just a, uh, a big dog and pony show. I hope you are enjoying it. I don't know if you're watching any of the, uh, I guess, news coverage going on. But now, it seems like most of the media, they are parroting their talking points from one show to another, and they're saying, you know, Trump is threatening our democracy and he's compromising our national security. Please give me a break. This is, these are all lies. I mean, if we're going to talk about election meddling, which is basically what they're accusing Trump of trying to do, then how come we're not talking about Hillary Clinton and the DNC? and how they rigged it so that Bernie wouldn't be the nominee. I mean, doesn't that count as election meddling? And then how come we're not talking about Hillary paying for the Steele dossier, which kicked off the whole kind of Russian collusion, you know, Trump campaign investigation thing? I mean, how come we're not talking about that? Doesn't that count as some sort of election meddling? And didn't Hillary pay a foreign agent to provide that steel dossier? Does that count as some sort of, you know, weird foreign policy, quid pro quo? I mean, come on here. I mean, let, let's get serious. So, I mean, we have some examples of things that went on in the past that weren't good that our government has carried out. And, and I'll maybe just touch on this a little bit later as well. But, I mean, you have the 2014 coup in Ukraine, So that was orchestrated by Obama, Hillary, and Victoria Newland. You have the uh, 2016, the the Democrats, uh, again, tried to solicit evidence from Ukraine about Paul Manafort. And then just earlier in this September, you had Senator Murphy of Connecticut threatened uh, Ukraine to not to work with uh, President Trump on the whole, I guess, looking into some of this prior meddling stuff. So, I mean, you have the Democrats accusing Trump exactly of what they've done in the past. And so, I guess that brings me to a couple of kind of rules in politics. All right, so you you have one rule in politics, and this is something everybody should remember. If they are accusing you of doing something, you can guarantee they did it or are doing it too. Okay, that's one rule. And then you have Horton's Law named after the famous Scott Horton. So after the election, politicians keep all their bad promises and none of their good ones, okay? And then you have, uh, I guess we'll call it the Tom Woods Law. And Tom likes to say that no matter who you vote for, you end up with John McCain. And I think Tom's specifically referring to the fact that we always end up with some sort of president who continues to, the past foreign policies of bombing countries throughout the world instead of being friendly with them and trading. Anyway, so those are some good things to keep in mind. Okay, now I kind of want to get into the, the meat of this podcast today. So I'm calling this a basically a new CIA coup or a continuation of the prior CIA coup of President Trump. So the, the Russian collusion hoax didn't work, right? And then the obstruction of justice... I guess, trial and stuff. That didn't really work either. And it's kind of hard to obstruct justice when there was no crime there in the first place. So now we're at this, I guess, third, fourth attempt maybe of the CIA deep staters trying to remove a president that was elected by the American people and to help the Democrats. Okay, so you get this Trump-Ukraine call, right? This phone call where he asked the president of Ukraine to look into whether there was evidence of Ukraine intervention in the 2016 election, and also maybe to look into Joe Biden stopping the investigation of his son's potential corruption. So in the recent past, Democrats were all convinced that the Mueller report was going to oust Trump. And then you got that 180-degree outcome, right, that actually made Trump look innocent, and it strengthened his I guess, position. And that was a shock to the Democrats and all the leftist media. I mean, they weren't prepared for that at all. And so they've been looking for another reason to remove Trump. And now we have this phone call issue, which is basically business as usual. I mean, this is how foreign policy is conducted by the United States. So how do I know Trump was targeted by the CIA? Well, there's actually a lot of evidence for it. Remember when Trump decided and kind of said that he wasn't going along with the CIA advice back in 2015 or 2016. And then Chuck Schumer came out and said that the CIA has six ways from Sunday of getting back at you. And since the CIA were predominantly Obama supporters and be, you know because he was there for 8 years and were already used to kind of working with the CIA and crooked Hillary, they were horrified when Trump became president, right? And he beat her in the election. And they've been trying to oust Trump ever since then. So then in 2016, uh, I think in August, former acting uh, director uh, of the CIA, Mike Morrell, he wrote an article in the New York Times accusing Donald Trump of being an agent of the Russian Federation, basically a Russian spy. And then the former CIA director, John Brennan, who is a known Obama and Hillary supporter, he accused Trump of treason and being in the pocket of Putin. So you got these CIA stooges, they got together with James Comey from the FBI uh, and former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, and they launched this whole operation using Hillary's uh, paid for Steele dossier to spy on uh, Trump's presidential campaign and then try to entrap some of the campaign employees. I mean, this was the whole crux of the beginning of the Russian collusion hoax, right? This is what started it all. So now, we have a CIA officer assigned to the White House who filed a whistleblower complaint against a president over something he had heard from someone else that the president said on this Ukraine phone call. Interestingly, the CIA whistleblower rules were recently changed. So they dropped the requirement that the whistleblower had to have direct first-hand knowledge of the wrongdoing. Well, isn't that interesting? So now you can be a whistleblower by hearsay. You know, someone told me uh, that the president did something bad. And I guess that's all it takes now. That's awfully strange, isn't it? So now you have to think about it. Is this a genuine impeachment or just another, you know, CIA coup attempt? I think I'll go with the latter in this case. So, I mean, why is it that the FBI, the CIA want Trump out? I mean, you have to understand why, and then it makes kind of all sense, right? You probably remember when Donald Trump was running for president, and he said that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton created ISIS. I mean, there's evidence that they gave weapons to the radical Islamist groups to fight against Assad. So Obama was on this Assad must go, I guess, war party. And through the efforts of the CIA and John Brennan, they armed our sworn enemies— Okay, the the sworn enemies of the United States, Al-Qaeda, who attacked us on 9-11, in order to oppose and attack Assad in Syria. And basically, that's how ISIS was born and rose to power. And I guess that's why, in my opinion, why we have all these CIA stooges that hate Trump. I mean, because Trump came out and told the truth. And then that runs the risk of exposing this true treason by former, you know, President Obama and CIA Director Brennan and, you know, presidential candidate Hillary. Your average left-wing friend might hate Trump because they think he's a racist or a white supremacist, or maybe they think he's uncouth or something like that. But that's not why the CIA top dogs and Hillary hate him. They hate him for the potential of exposing their past crimes. Well, anyway, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden should have been and should be investigated for corruption. The U.S. taxpayers, which fund all of this overseas aid, you know, we we have a vested interest in knowing where our money is going. This is not the government's money. This is the taxpayer's money. The government has no money of its own, right? It has to steal the money from the taxpayers first and then send it overseas to someone else. So if the U.S. government is paying off foreign governments and foreign diplomats, which they shouldn't be doing anyway, then the people having their tax dollars forcibly taken from them by their own government should know where the money is going. End of story. The fact that it wasn't investigated just speaks to the litany of malfeasance and cover-ups and corruption under the Obama administration. Now, it's my understanding that the president can be impeached for basically anything. He doesn't have to break the law. I mean, if there's enough votes, the Democrats can just impeach him for being too orange Or tweeting too much or eating pizza with a fork and knife. I mean, of course, it looks better politically for the Democrats to impeach him for something illegal, uh, which is why the dog and pony show is so important, right? They have to make him look as bad as possible before they have an impeachment hearing in the House. And if they fail, I mean, if they fail to make the public and the 60 million people that voted for Trump and other voters on the sidelines... Believe that the impeachment is just, then this is where they run the risk of a significant backlash. And then people might come out and vote more for Trump and the Republicans just out of spite or fairness in the next set of elections. In some ways, I guess these impeachment hearings could actually benefit Trump once again. I mean, of course, the Republicans are going to push for questioning of Joe Biden and questioning Biden's son, and they're going to bring out all the possible corruption or at least you know, the unethical possibility that his son was given a favorable position in order uh, for money to be paid by the American taxpayers to the Ukraine government. I mean, Trump's going to eat all this up, and he's going to tweet about it every day, probably all day long. I mean, basically, Donald Trump's entire first presidency has been riddled with hoaxes and lies in order to stifle him. If the Democrats can make any of these, I guess, hoaxes and lies stick, and maybe say it enough times so that people actually believe it, well, then they politically, I guess, have done their job. If, however, on the other hand, they don't do a good job convincing millions of people, then they may take a significant political hit. I kind of hope that the Democratic political strategists you know, really thought this one through. I mean, they really tanked Joe Biden with this. I mean, there's no possible way that Biden can be the nominee now. It's just, it's not going to work. People, when they see Biden up on the podium or giving a speech someplace, they're going to automatically be thinking of corruption. They're going to be thinking of his son. So again, I'm going to reiterate what I said last week, was that this may have been a way to not only hurt Trump, but also bring down Biden and kind of pave the way for Elizabeth Warren. So, I mean, that's just a guess, but only time will tell. There's also kind of a bigger story going on here that no one seems to be talking about, and that's the way the U.S. conducts its uh, foreign policy. We know from the leaked early 2014 uh, telephone conversation between Victoria Nuland, who was the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, and this guy Jeffrey uh, Pyatt, who was the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, that the Vice President Biden played a role in the U.S.-backed overthrow of an elected Ukrainian government soon after that conversation. I mean, that's the biggest crime in this story, and that's not being told. The illegal overthrow of a sovereign government. The United States has been doing that for years. So, and then as a perk from this coup, the sitting vice president's son, Hunter, soon got a seat on the board of Ukraine's biggest gas producer, Burisma Holdings. And then after a Ukrainian prosecutor began looking into possible corruption at Burisma, Biden openly admitted on video that as vice president, he withheld $1 billion in in a credit line to the Ukraine until the government fired the prosecutor. And then he bragged that it only took six hours for it to happen. So exactly what Joe Biden boasted of doing is what the Democrats are now accusing Trump of doing. And it isn't even clear whether Trump was making a threat, kind of sounded more like a request with strings attached. And that leads us into the next part of the story about how the U.S. conducts its foreign policy, which is usually with bribes, threats, and blackmail. So Trump may have withheld military aid to seek a a probe into Biden, but it's hypocritically being framed by the Democrats as an abuse of power out of the ordinary. But this is very much ordinary for the United States. This is how foreign policy has been conducted for years, by both parties. Money is not given to these foreign countries and diplomats without strings attached. It never is. Okay, there's a lot of examples. right? There was this threat of withholding uh, foreign aid from the United Nations, during the uh, U.N. Security Council in 1991 when the U.S. was looking for authorization for the first Gulf War, and then uh, Yemen at the time voted no, and uh, I guess a member from the U.S. delegation told Yemen's ambassador that, that that's the most expensive vote you're ever going to cast, and then of course the U.S. cut $70 million in foreign aid to Yemen. Uh, the same thing happened before uh, the Gulf War in 2003. You have this whistleblower Uh, Catherine Gunn, uh, she leaked an NSA memo that showed that the U.S. sought help from its, uh, I guess, British counterparts in intelligence to spy on the missions of the uh, Security Council members to get leverage over them to influence their vote to authorize the invasion of Iraq. And in 2001, the U.S. uh, threatened to uh, end military and foreign aid to nations if it did not conclude the uh, that bilateral agreements granting immunity to U.S. troops before the uh, International Criminal Court, and then more recently, uh, U.S. Uh, used its muscle against Ecuador, including dangling a ten billion dollar IMF loan in exchange for expulsion of the WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange from its uh, London embassy. I mean, this is how the U.S. conducts foreign policy. I mean, U.S. foreign policy is as corrupt as the rest of its domestic policies, and it's sad that we aren't trading more with these foreign countries and being more friendly, encouraging free markets. Instead, if we aren't already bombing you or orchestrating some sort of coup in your country, then the U.S. is resorting to bribes, threats, and blackmail. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Please do me two favors. Number one is to share the show. Remember that we want to continue to advance the message of individual liberty, and sharing and growing the show is one of the best ways to do that. The second favor is to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. A five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, please check out our website, libertyonfire.org. Thank you very much. And until next time, let's keep those fires of liberty burning bright.